Well, the Lord is working something very unique here. The Lord has put in our heart to believe Him. At the same time as part of belief is obedience. And part of that obedience is, is obeying those that God has given rule over us. And so we're trying our best to work with all the regulations to be able to keep COVID away from us. And so I'm just thankful. And I, I want to tell you how appreci appreciative I am. And thankful I am for the health department. I'm so thankful for Dr. Braden. I'm so thankful for those that God has used in our town to help our town to stay safe. And it is a privilege for us as a church to submit ourselves and surrender ourselves under their direction and at the same time following the direction of the Lord. And so our faith is in God. Amen. Our faith is in the Lord that God is going to bring us through. Well, I'm excited to talk to you uh, about something today. I'm going to talk to you again about the end times because I tell you, COVID has brought this question up. Everybody said, is this coronavirus, is it a part of the last day? Well, I believe I can wholeheartedly say, yes, it's a part. <laughs> yes, it's readily spoken of in Scripture. But it's one of many things that's supposed to be taking place. So we're going to take off today. I started off last Sunday with Matthew 24. There's three places in Scripture, in the Gospels, pardon me, in the Gospels, that explicitly talk about the coming of the Lord and the last day events. And they're found in Matthew 24, Luke 21, and then Mark 11. And in those three passages, in those three chapters, is found scriptures that list out the things that we're supposed to be facing. But not only we're supposed to be facing those, we're supposed to be watching those. That's why there's signs. There's signs to those that believe. There's signs to the church to let us know that it's getting close to the time of the coming of the Lord. And I don't know about you, but I'm excited. In fact, the Bible says when you see these certain things come to pass, it said, look up for your redemption draws nigh. So I'm excited this morning that Jesus is soon to come. Amen. So whether the Lord comes, whether the Lord comes today, tomorrow or in a thousand years, I leave that totally up to him. Amen. But at the same time, it's exciting to watch the unfolding of events. Now, God gave us explicit, not only he tells us the signs to watch for, but he gave us explicit ex instruction about what to do during this season. So not only do we have to watch the signs with one of our eyes. On the other eye, we've got to be watching ourselves, making sure that we're doing everything that God has given us instruction to do. All right, I'm going to re begin reading with Luke chapter 21. Last week, I talked about Matthew 24. This week, we're going to talk about Luke 21. Verse 7, it says, they asked him, teacher, when will these things happen? And what will be the sign? So the disciples asking the very same thing that we're asking, is this COVID-19 a part of the last day signs? That's exactly what the disciples asked Jesus. They said, teacher, what will these things, what will happen? And then what will be the sign? And then verse uh, going, skipping over to Matthew chapter 24, it tells us about the signs. It said they're the beginning of birth pangs. So what God is doing, he's relating the things that's going to be happening in this earth or has been happening ever really and since the resurrection that relating that to birth pangs of a lady. And now, uh, Lane's had six kids, and so I've been there uh, for one of them, and many of you experience that same thing. But we learn things. That closer it gets to the time, the more often or the closer the events happen. 
And that's what God's trying to tell us. So it's not just watching the signs. It's watching to how many of the signs. It's watching for how close they're happening. Because as it gets closer to the coming of the Lord, then the signs will repeatedly. And I tell you what, men, we have a sign on top of sign, hadn't we? Even this year. We've had racial riots. We've had uh, COVID-19. Now they're talking about swine flu is possibly trying to come into our nation again. We've had economic crisis. I mean, sign after sign. So I can readily say that not only can we see the signs, but we can see the consistency of their sequence, how much quicker they're becoming. Boy, and also, it doesn't it just ignite something in you to realize that the coming of the Lord with that same quickness of the signs is the same quickness that the Lord will come in. Now, Matthew, uh, Luke, back in. Oh, let me read Matthew. Matthew uh, 24, verse 9 says, They will hand you over to your enemies who will torture you and then kill you. We're going to look at, just for a quick moment, some of the signs. Is that they will hand you over to your enemies who will torture you, who will kill you, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. And many who have followed me and claimed to love me and sought God's kingdom will turn away. They will abandon the faith and they will begin to betray one another. Then going back to St. Luke in verse 10, it says, Then Jesus told them, Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be violent earthquakes in various places, famines and deadly, devastating pestilences, plagues, epidemics, and there will be terrible sights and great signs in heaven. And verse 11, going back to Matthew very quickly, it says, There will be terrible earthquakes, events of epic proportion, resulting in famines and in one place after another. So signs upon signs. Then going back to Luke chapter uh, 21 in Luke, verse 25, there will be earth-shattering events. The heavens themselves will seem to be shaken with signs in the sun and the moon and the stars. And across the earth, the outsider nations will feel powerless and terrified in the face of a roaring flood of fear and foreboding crashing like tidal waves upon them. And I can honestly say that's what's been taking place through this COVID-19. There has not only been the uh, plague that we're dealing with, but there is this fear that has been unleashed with it. I want you to know if you're feeling fear through what's going on, that is what has been unleashed upon this earth from the forces of darkness. And we must get it within ourselves. We're going to stand against the fear. We're going to trust God and be wise in our life. Amen. Now, verse 25 says, expect to witness amazing and perplexing signs throughout the universe with the sun, the moon. The raging of the sea will bring desperation and turmoil to many nations. In verse 26 of Luke chapter 21 says, earthquakes will be, bring panic and disaster. What men see coming to earth will cause the fear of doom to grip their hearts, for they will even see the powers of a heaven realm shaken. When you see all these things happening, you can be confident that the kingdom of God is approaching. So it's, it's given us a list of several signs. We've talked about wars, violence, lawlessness, drought, famine, earthquakes, other catastrophes, disease epidemics, and all these. But the Bible says these are the beginning of sorrows. But what it's telling us, watch for their, watch for their quickness that they're appearing on the horizon. So these will happen more and more the closer we get to Jesus. Now, Matthew chapter 24, verse 40 said, Then two men will be in the field. Then immediately it begins to talk about the rapture of what's going to take place. The event that all of these lesser events are building up to. A rapture with 
restrictions. I want you to know, it's not somebody says, well, you know, I'm saved. I, I'm going to the rapture. But I've got a question for you. Are you saved and obedient? Are you obeying God? There are, there, is there a consistent move in your life to get sin out and to get righteousness in? Is there something in you not only having a legal stand of righteousness, but do you have a working, livable stand of righteousness in the midst of our life? Verse 36, it says, So be ready all the time. Pray that you will be strong enough to escape all these things that will happen and pray that you'll be able to stand. So not only is there a rapture with, uh, with responsibilities, there's also what I'm doing between now and the rapture. The Bible says I'm supposed to be praying that I will have strength to be able to handle each one of these signs. That, can you help me back there somewhere with my sound? That, uh, that, so there's, as these consistent signs are coming up, the Bible says I must be able to handle them. Now, the Bible says when it concerns the rapture, there's going to be two in one bed, one be taken, one be left, two in the field, one be taken, one be left. So what it says, there are requirements in me living not only saved, but living victorious in this season. You know, years ago, I began to notice in the book of Revelations how that I'd all just thought about one time there was going to be one immediate rapture, not realizing that as people did determine to live not in obedience to God, that there would be possibly lesser times or there would be possibly restrictions upon their life. Thank you. So it's just so important then that we realize that the rapture is coming, but we got restrictions. Now, then the Lord closes out Luke, the chapter of Luke, with the direction of what I'm supposed to be doing during these seasons. It says in verse 34, it said, Be careful, guard your heart, that you never allow your heart to grow cold. Remain passionate and free from anxiety and the worries of this life. Then you will not be caught off guard by what happens. Don't let me come and find you drunk or careless and living like everyone else. For that day will come as a shocking surprise to all, like a downpour that drenches everyone, catching many unaware, uh, unprepared. Now what verse 36, it says, keep a constant watch over your soul and pray for the courage and the grace to prevail over these things that are destined to occur. So it's not only important that I see the signs, that I recognize the signs, it's most important that I'm responding during this season right. I'm just here to tell you, whatever's got you discouraged, whatever's trying to pull you off track, whatever's trying to stop you, whatever it is, is sent from hell. And you've got to determine, not only will I recognize the sign of Jesus coming, but I will be ready so when he comes, I will face this thing right. I will face it with faith in God. So I want to quickly tell you the things that we can do in my clothes. The first thing, we can make a decision to trust God. Everybody say, I'm going to trust God. The second thing that we're going to do, we're going to do the work. And what I'm talking, I'm talking about, do the work. You're going to claim the promise. You're going to locate the promises of God. See, so many times we just say, God's got this. I talked to you about that last Sunday. And we just begin to think that God's got this, so there's nothing I need to do. And that is so wrong. Even Psalms 91 puts a responsibility upon us to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. What God is telling us is this. Not only do I give a promise to protect you, but there's a work that's involved. You've got to find that promise. You've got to claim that promise. And really, that promise becomes ratified as I begin to speak that promise out my mouth. 
That means I cannot stay silent in the midst of this fear. I must begin to respond to this situation or whatever situation that I'm facing. I must begin to respond in faith. See, what happens is this. So many times we recognize an attack, then we get succumbed under that attack. We let that attack overcome us. And then then we turn around and blame God for things not working out. I'm here to tell you that if you're going to overcome, we have a responsibility to do something with what we know and with what we have. And that is, I got to do the work. I must begin. I must begin to claim that promise. I must find that promise and claim that promise down that promise. The third thing that God expects me to do is walk in wisdom. I've got to walk in wisdom. I've got to redeem this time. So many times there's just such a, there's a sense of, a rebellion that also accompanies these things. And all of that is released just like that spirit of fear. Not only is there a, a, an, a sign of that end time or an approaching evil that we can see, but there's also these various releases of demonic forces. Now, one of those forces is that fear. But another one is confusion. If you feel confused, if you just can't decide what to do, I'll tell you what, when you feel confused, you've got to look up toward heaven and say, God, I'm trusting you. I may not understand this season, but I'm trusting you to bring me through it. Amen. And then not only must we do that, but we must obey the Lord. Man, if, if I'm going to walk in wisdom during this season, I must obey. Some people, I'll tell you, there's, there's scriptures that come to our hearts at this season that have come at no other season. For example, in Luke chapter 20, it says, Well then, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, and give to God what belongs to God. You know, some people have a wrestle. They have a wrestle with obeying their authorities. Well, if it belongs to Caesar, give it to Caesar. Somebody says, Well, I can't do that. I just can't do that and be obedient. Why, why not? That spirit of rebellion operates in our lives. We've got to understand there's a spirit of confusion, there's a spirit of fear, and there's a spirit of rebellion that is trying its best to pull us off course. Just simply say, I'm going to give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, and I'm going to give to God what belongs to God. I will obey those God-given rule over me as unto Caesar, but then I will give and obey God everything that the Word of the Lord tells me to do. So I, everybody says, walk in wisdom. So I have to walk in wisdom. The fourth thing, I must continue to live. I've got to carry on life in the midst of this. What are we talking about? What we can do in the midst of these signs. I've got to carry on life. I've got to learn how I can be, going, be in the midst of a pandemic and still yet have faith in God and still yet carry on life. But I must carry on life not as the world is carrying on life. I must learn how a strong believer is to live during this season and I've got to commit myself to being that strong believer. Amen. I've got to redeem the time. But the Bible says, for the days are evil. I must learn to live spiritual, a God-centered life in the midst of this crooked world. I tell you, some, sometimes when it talks about when people are beginning to discuss signs of time, not rec- rec- recognizing it's signs of time that they're discussing, so many times you can't even tell the difference in a conversation of a believer or non-believer. And I'm going to tell you, that's what we must not do. We must begin to align ourselves up with God to where even in the midst of this crooked world that we're living it in a strong way. We must deal with everything in faith because what is not of faith is sin. That means my conversation, when even I talk about the virus, I talk about economic uh, upheaval or if I'm talking about whatever riots is taking place, I've got to talk about it as a believer. 
I must continue to live in this world. At the same time, I've got to recognize I'm not of this world. In Ephesians chapter 5, it says this. So be careful how you live. Don't live like a fool. I tell you what, I think I've hurt some fools during this season. And I probably myself have been guilty of that. But it tells me, be careful how you live. Don't live like a fool, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what God or what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. I have three major responsibilities if I'm going to continue to live. Number one is I have a personal responsibility before God. I've got to give, be, I've got to live my responsibility before God. That means I can't stop praying. I can't stop reading. I can't stop preaching. I cannot stop sharing. I cannot stop using my gifts that God gave me. So whatever's trying to happen in me, I must realize I have a responsibility. Second responsibility, I have a family responsibility. I've got to lead my family in a spiritual way. I've got to begin to speak over this. I've got to pray over my family. I've got to, I have a responsibility over my family. It almost seems like in one of these, and these signs, these signs of the way the Bible talks can get so bad. It almost be like every man for himself, but I can't live that way. I cannot live every man for himself. I've got to live with a responsibility before God on behalf of my family. The third, I have a spiritual responsibility as a member of the church. I have a spirit, and I'm just so proud of you. Here you are. The Bible tells us, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, as you see the day approaching. So the Bible says, whatever we can do, we must continue to do everything that we can do to come together to be a church. I am so proud. I'm proud of every car that's here this morning. I'm proud of every truck. I'm proud of you that's sitting there. I'm proud of you that's sitting there hot this morning or sitting there with the comfort of your air conditioner, whatever it is. I am so proud of you because I believe you're doing everything you can do. Because I'm going to tell you, what we can do here, we can't do separated. I can't do this at my house, but I can do this here. There's something supernatural that's taking place. As the church is coming together, there's a spiritual entity or a spiritual force that is at work within us. And I have a spiritual responsibility to no matter what I'm facing, I have a spiritual responsibility to show up as much as I can show up and be involved as much as I can be involved and to continue the gift of God through me. But there is also a fourth responsibility, and that is I have a civil and a moral responsibility. I have a responsibility to live right in front of my community. I have a responsibility to see that my, for my community to see me as a man of faith, as a woman of faith, as a person of faith. They must see me right. Now, the fifth thing that I can do, I must determine to stay focused on a spiritual eternity. What that means, I've got to begin to live my priority. I've got to live my eternal perspective. I want to show you something very quick. I'm going to borrow this from, from Brother Chan this morning, an illustration that he's used. Andy, if you would come and join me. As you know that we have children that's in mix of all our services because we can't have children's services. Uh, but what we do, we have combined services. We have family services. That's what's taking place now is family services. Uh, that's what take place this morning at 9 o'clock and it also take place at 1030 that we will have family services. And there, we have to determine to help our children, not only our children, but help ourselves to, to n- not live for today, 
to whatever we're going through, we must develop an eternal perspective to life. Life is so much longer than life seems to be. I'm going to illustrate that this morning by... Now I want you to use your imagination and I want you to see this rope as the timeline of your life. In fact, I want you to see the, the length of this rope from this point all the way to Brother Andy as possible an eternity. And then I want you to see the small little red portion at the end of this rope. And that's usually the part of life that we live. And that's usually the our sense of happiness and joy is all to in that one little space of time but God said you will live for eternity so instead of just living my life based on what today is demanding I must begin to live my life responsible realizing this is just a small portion and I want you to know Whatever length of life you're living, it is still just such a small portion to what God has for you. God has eternity. And I must begin to think eternal values. Well, the Bible says, first have the mind of Christ, and then he explains it like this, to think about the things of heaven. If I want to make sure that I'm living life right here, I must live life with the view that I will live eternity in heaven. Now what happens is this. Most believers live this. We believe in this. But we forget about this and just give our attention to this. Which God's intended purpose for this life is that I would live this life in preparation for this great life that he has for us. So wherever it is that the enemy is trying to get you to forget, wherever the fear and the confusion is trying to enter into your life, whatever is trying the rebellion that would possibly be working against you, you've got to say, the life that I live now when I look, when I think about it in the way of eternity, when I see it in the length of eternity, you know, what happens today gets much less importance in my life. But what happens in eternity is the great importance in my life. We're going to close this morning with one last one. And what can I do during this season? I can begin... I can never stop changing. If I want to please God during this season, I must realize that God is even going to use these troubles to transform me in the light of eternity. 
Because what God may be dealing with in my life, it may have nothing to do with this life, but it may have everything to do with the eternity that God has for me. So I must never quit changing. That's the last thing I can do for the Lord. The Bible says in the book of 2 Corinthians, as we behold is in a glass the glory of the Lord. Then we're transformed from glory to glory. What that means is this. If I will continue to live in the presence of God, even in the midst of this pandemic, if I will, be, if I will continue to live my dependency coming out of the presence of God, then the presence of God will never cease changing me. That as I behold, it's in a glass, the glory of the Lord. The Bible says we have to take our eyes off the temporal. And we must be willing to put our eyes on the eternal. But if I will quit looking at the temporal, quit concentrating on the temporal, what the enemy's doing with me today, what is this virus doing with me today? Wow, such fear that's going on and taking place, such confusion and such rebellion. But if I will realize that the presence of God is bringing the change in my life.